Well, it's a month. It's nearly a month since I've last preached. And that's been good. It's been good because it's great to hear other people speak. Say that again. It's just me and you. It's only me and Phil. It's good to hear other people speak. Guess what? You wouldn't like to have heard me the first day I spoke. Or the second day. Or the third day. I'm not saying all these were like me. I'm saying that you've got, there's a day called beginnings. Where people have to start. And guess what? They need your encouragement. They really do need your encouragement. So when uh, anyone stands here, they stand here in the authority of God and also of the leadership. We've empowered them to do what they're doing. So if someone stands here, we believe that they've got something to say to you and to us. Amen? So we encourage that. Amen? Well, this is where nothing happens and you, you press it. Yeah. Is it telling on? Yeah, Dave and Veronica's work, so are you telling me that they're more... Is there any batches in this? Yeah, there's batches in this. Is it working? Is it switched on? Oh, you, oh, you see, you, you, see, this is the point. You always go right to the front of everything I've done. And now you've nicked all my... Just get to the beginning. There you go. <coughs> Thanks, Ralph. He's my tech expert. My tech expert down there. Running the race. I know I don't have as much time this morning to say all that. I plan to say, but I'm going to say something. And I don't know about you, but there's times when I feel like I've got no fuel for my Christian journey. I, you know, I'll confess, I'm, I am the world's worst at driving my car on empty. Believing that it's okay, I've got enough just for the next journey, then I'll fill up. How many of you do that? How many... You know, if my, my red needle is half, it is blessed abundantly, right? Because I just, do round, I just do round town. No, I'd never drive like that on a motorway. Never do that. I'd never risk on a motorway. If I'm going on a motorway, I always make sure I've got enough fuel because the last thing you want to do is break down on the motorway because I know fuel. Like, stupid! At least if you break down round here with no fuel, I can ring Phil. <coughs> or somebody can come and get me, or Scott, or whatever. But on the motorway, you don't do it. It's stupid. But it's amazing how many of us drive our lives like that. We get to church, empty. Pastor, fill me up this morning. I've been busy this week. Yeah, but you've been like that for the last a year. Yeah, I just run an empty. I just push my car. You can see some people pushing you in church to get to church. Fill them up, fill them up. And then you drive, hey, see you next week. And then you get back in church, all empty. And we're all pushing you again. It's true. It's true. A lot of the churches like that. They don't use the fuel that God's given. Some never use the fuel. You know, you can put five pounds of a fuel and it can last some people forever. Because they never go anywhere. Yeah? And yet, for somebody else, five pounds is going to get them nowhere. Because they've got plans to go everywhere. But five pounds, they're going to need more fuel. So you need more fuel for the journey, do you not? But the trouble is, if you, if, if you can't drive, you'll never know the value of fuel. If you're taking lessons, you don't even think about fuel. 
the car's already running when you get when it gets there. You don't think about what it takes to keep that car on the road when you're taking lessons, do you? No, you just turn up, pay the guy the money, and you expect them to take care of all the stuff. That's how many people treat church. They expect the church engine to be running, so you just step in and feel the benefit of everything that's already moving. But it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, strategies to keep the church moving. Now, it's God's church, but God still needs a project manager on the ground. And he needs workers and a workforce to keep the machine moving towards his will. Amen? But we need fuel for the race. Faith is a very, very key aspect of your race. You see, if you get people, one of, the, one of the critical signs in any church is this, is we get people to do roles, we ask them to do roles, but they're not roles that require faith. Yeah? Now, with the greatest respect, I'm going to make a comment now, so please don't feel offended by saying it, by, sorry, by hearing it, but hear it in the context it's being spoken. It takes no faith to turn the heating on. It takes no faith to run the cafe. No faith whatsoever. It takes hard work and discipline. Yes? It takes a, it takes a memory to turn that on. If I don't remember to turn it on, it's cold. This morning we found the heating quarters out, but luckily enough, it's not a cold morning. So we're okay. But the issue is this is, faith is needed for the journey. So therefore, if you're going nowhere, then you... Don't think you need faith. You just think you need belief. And there's a big difference between faith and belief. Faith is what disciples have. Belief is what church people have. Disciples do the will of Jesus. Christians go to church. There's a whole difference. I want to be a disciple. Jesus told me to put my nets down and follow him. So where am I going? Wherever he's leading. Well, most people say, where are you going? I'm going to church. Well, where am I going? I'm going wherever he leads. So, so where are you going? You should be going where he's leading us. So what do you need faith for? For where he's leading us. So in 2 Timothy, it says, Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There is, a, there is something in store for me, which he calls a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, which, sorry, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also those who have been longing for his appearance. I don't know about you, but I think it's, the word I'm going to use is not insuff- it's insufficient, but it's the word I know. It's just critical for you and me to have, a de- to have a day. It's so important for you to have a day in your mind, a longing for a day. Jesus is putting a day in our hearts. And what I mean by that, there's a day when Jesus is coming back. There's a day when Christ turns up in your life. There's a day when God uses you. There's a day when heaven just overshadows your life. There's a day that you need to live for. 
How many of you know that? You see, there's a day that we need to look forward to. I've got many days I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the day when all my children are off my hands. <laughs> you, is that, any parents say amen to that? I'm looking forward to when my bank balance no longer gets shared with them. Or is that just, I'm a, it's not going to happen. Don't spoil it. I'm looking for a day. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward to a day when my children walk right before the Lord. I'm looking forward to a day when my children are married. I'm looking forward to a day when if they start a family, they start a family. I'm looking forward to the day when I can play with my grandchildren like I love the two I've got now. I love that day. I look forward to a weekend when I can take the children out. I love having Harper and and, and Ella with us on a Saturday and I love taking them out. There's just something it does. It's soul therapy. I'm absolutely wiped out by the time I finish with them. But it's soul therapy because grandkids give you something that your kids didn't give you. It's true. It's true. Bad back, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's important you look, look forward to a day. Listen to me. Because with, when you look forward to a day, it creates anticipation. It creates excitement, it creates expectation, and it creates hope. Anticipation, excitement, hope, and expectation. And it also creates passion. Passion in people's lives. Children are beautiful creatures, would we all, would, would we all agree? Yes. And they're beautiful to observe when you talk to them about a day. Their excitement levels just go sky high and they never shut up and they remind you of it and they repeat it time and time again. They love, they love those moments when you talk to them about going on holiday or you're telling them it, it's, a, it's a special occasion or it's Christmas or whatever it is. What, they, they looked to these things with great anticipation. How many more sleeps is that? You know, that's beautiful. It's sincere. It's genuine. And it's, it's a beautiful thing that children remind us what it's like to live for something. And Jesus wants us to have the childlike faith. He's trying to put a day in your heart. He's trying to put, when I say a day, it's not just a day, there's days. It's many days, but I'm going to talk about it as a day. Because your day can last more than 24 hours. A day can be a season. A day can be eternity. And God's trying to put a day in your heart. He wants to seal it into your heart. He doesn't want you. Listen, we've got to get past church. Seriously, I want to knock this thing on the head. Your version and my version and people's expectation of church is not always what God wants. God wants you to have a God life, not just a church life. And if you've got a God life, you'll have a church life. But you can have a church life without having a God life. So, so easy. Churches today are becoming more and more socially orientated, becoming more entertainment driven. It's so easy just to treat the church like a social club and God not be there. And the Bible warns us about that. Revelation talks to us about those things, what the church became. If the church has become something, it means she's moved away from what she should have been. Yes. 
So there's a special day. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time and a season for every activity under heaven. Amen? Scripture is filled with hope. Telling people about a day. And on a certain day, things, whenever you read scripture and it talks about a certain day, it's telling us that certain things are going to happen and we have the right to believe and expect them to happen. I read to you from uh, Revelation 21 this morning and he says, these are the words of him. This is true, he says, the, dross, the, the, the words are truth. In other words, you can take it to the bank because, because God's told you that it's come from that source and it's true. So if it's come from that source and it's true, he needs you to have faith to believe what he's commented about, what he's said, so that you can move towards that day. Now, if, if I look at Pat and she's the furthest one away from me and I call Pat a day, guess what? The moment I fix that day in my heart, I move to closer towards Pat. So there's a time when I can actually get hold of Pat and get, become so close that I can lay hands on her. That's the day that God wants you to have. There's a day called today and there's a day which is beyond you. And the one that's beyond you, you need faith. The one that's here today, you need faith. God wants you to lay hold of some things and he puts things in our hearts and he puts things in the scripture so that you'll move towards them in faith. True? Paul tells us of a day. Paul tells us, that there is a day that he's longing for. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. So he knows that everything he's doing down here, there's going to be an, an award ceremony on a specific day. He has the right to expect to receive something. Because he's believed in faith and he's done what scripture's telling him to do, knowing that, that on that day, not only him, but all of us who run in such a way as him have the same access and the same right to receive that crown. There's a day, my friend. There's a day. How many believe? You know, one of the saddest things to see and observe is when people think they've had their day. When you think they've had their day. You know, we all know, we can all see. I mean, sportsmen have their day. Don't they? There's a time when they peak and they have their day. And that's what they're known as, that's what they're known for. They're known as legends. For those who were successful in their day. They're known as legends. We talk about them in the Great Hall of Fame. You've got your day. It's called today. You've got your day. Do you know in, in, in heaven, there are walls and gates. And on those walls and gates is the name of the 12 disciples. Why? Because they had their day. And that day that they lived in was recorded. And it will be remembered forever. How many days will you have? What it will be recorded and remembered. We call that living legacy. Amen? So he said there's going to be a day. How many of you know there's going to be a day when he's going to appear? That's called the blessed hope. Now, 
1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Amen? We're children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. As he is. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. This is called, oh, happy day. That's not in your Bible, that, that last bit. I put that in there. This is called happy, oh, happy day. When I will see him as he is. Wow. Revelation, I read to you this morning. He says, and we shall see him face to face. No man seen God, no man has seen God and lived. But we are going to see him in that moment. On that day, we're going to see him. And there's the thing about this, this day. Everyone who has this hope purifies him. Purifies himself. Just as he is pure. This is called, oh, happy day. Happy day. <laughs> Revelation says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with me. There will be his people and God himself will be with them and there be with their God. Here's that day. Remember this day? He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. And for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. How many of you are looking forward to that day where there's no pain? How many are you looking for the day when there's no morning? Not good morning. No morning as in sadness. Why? Because there's no death. There's no death. Because on the other side, and on this side, well, this side there's going to be a death. But on the other side, there's no death. But this is a day that God plants in our heart, and it gives us hope. This day is part of your race. You, you, you're running for a race. You're running in a race, and you're running for a day that's actually not here yet. But there are days on earth that are yours. You're running for this day, that's today, and you're running for a day. Amen? So let me put it like this way. Your children are going through school. There's a lot of studying to be done. You're trying to encourage them to study now so they'll benefit in the future. And you say to your kids, if you play today, you'll pay tomorrow. But if you pay today, you'll do a lot of playing it's pay or play. And that's what God's telling us, that if we do the right things now, we'll do a lot of playing in the future. But if we don't do what we're supposed to do, and we play now, we'll pay. We will pay. So you've got to get the pay and play in the right time and the right season. This is not a time to play. This is a time to pay. Now, in the pain, you can have some fun. Because it's not all pain, is it? The Christian race is not all pain. And if it is, get rid of few people. But there are seasons of pain. There are times of pain. But if your Christian life is all pain, then someone at the side of you is not treating you well. But here's that day, the wipe away every tear. You know, when we stood around Margaret's, uh, sorry, when we went to Margaret's funeral, 
there wasn't, there was, there was a hint of sadness because we're losing a sister. But there was joy because we know she's crossing over to have that day. She's got her mind back. She's got her mind back. She's 100% focused. Amen? She is, and anyone who's crossed over and gone to the other side and gone to be there forever and ever, amen, and now entering his presence not the way they left this earth. This is a hope we have. I don't want to come back as a caterpillar. You know why? Caterpillars get stood on. Why would you want to come back as something like a butterfly or a little caterpillar? As beautiful as they are. They don't live, they don't live five minutes. If that's your idea of reincarnation, forget it. My Bible says, on the other side, I'll live forever. Why do I want to be a beautiful butterfly? Get real. I want to be transformed into his image, to his likeness, to his nature. And you're settling for a butterfly. Get real. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that a happy day? That's a beautiful day. But you've got to run now. You've got to run now. I said you've got to run today to get that. Don't just think, oh, I became a a, a Christian and now it's just me and Jesus. Oh, blessed me and Jesus. Jesus is going to say, what did you do with me? Who did you tell? What did you do? What work did you get involved in? Well, I went to church. I didn't ask you that. What did you do with me? That's a different question. Will you still be loved? Yes. But will you be rewarded? That's the issue. Did you pay now? Or did you play now? That's the question, my friend. Run the race, but run for something. Run with someone. And run with something in your hand. Run for something, run alongside someone and run something with something in your hand. What's, what do I need to run in the hand? The gospel and the baton. Run for a higher purpose than yourself. I run for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who do I run with? His church. My wife, my husband, my friends, whoever it is. Make sure you get the right person, the right wife, the right husband, and the right friends. Make sure you've got a baton so you're not going on your own. You're not just doing your own thing. So when I get there, what have you got to hand over? Uh, oh, did you, I thought you brought it. Yeah, he dropped it. <laughs> Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. What a day. What a day. Are you looking forward to that day? But you know, until that day comes, you should be every day in your race becoming molded, formed and fashioned into his nature, likeness and image. Amen. So let the makeover start. Let the manicure, remember we talked about last week? God's going to do a manicure in this house. He's curing man. It's the manicure. This is not the pedicure. This is the manicure. God's curing man of his sickness, of himself, of his selfishness, 
of his flesh. It's in every one of us. It's in every one of us. You see, when God talks about a time, and when he talks about a day, there's a day when he means past tense. Do you remember when we in that day? We're looking back. Yes? So the Bible's got, the Bible's full of in that day. So when you look at that, when you read your Bible, how many of you know all that took, well, not all that took place, a lot of what took place, took place in another day. But how many of you know it's still relevant today and it's still speaking to us about a future? Amen? So we have, we have historical context. We know Jerusalem. We know the Babylonians. We know the Romans invaded. We know Jesus was crucified. Is that past? Yes. Does he leave us there? No. So we know there is a day, meaning there is a prophetic future. That is prophetic. That will happen in someone's generation. But what the Bible tells us is that if the hope is locked into your heart, every generation moves to that point. Yes? Every generation moves to that point. So everyone who runs in the race runs with hope in their hearts and faith in in their hearts. Because they're moving, they're moving for a day. Now, I really believe that the older you get in the church, and let me just say this because I think it's worth saying. The older you get in the church, we become sentimental about that day. You know why? Because the reality is we're getting closer. But when you talk to the young'uns, we've got loads of days. They're not thinking about that day. They're not thinking about that. Why? Because when you're young, the last thing you look at your life and you think, I've got years left. It's true. So your emphasis is not necessarily on that day. You're more about thinking about these days. Yes? Rather than that day. Now, I don't just know. The church traditionally, historically, stopped and just camped and sat there and went, That day's coming. We'll just hold the fort. We'll wait for that day. So we'll just meet him in his name. We'll just meet in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord. We're faithful. We're the faithful few. We'll just wait and sit. We'll do absolutely nothing. We'll come to church. We'll have tea. We'll have biscuits. We'll have little prayer meetings. But we'll do absolutely nothing. Because that day's coming and it will find us. And we're called the faithful of Jesus Christ. And you can imagine heaven screaming saying, I didn't say that. Where did you get that idea from? That's not the happy day. When Paul walked, when Paul crossed over, what did Paul say? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Well, hang on. If you're sat in church, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord, with with cause that cannot be broken. How's that running? How's that running the race? Since when did coming to church ever mean you were in the race? It doesn't. So we've got to see that God, his kingdom is much more than just a Sunday gathering. Now, we're not decrying Sunday gathering. No way. But that's not all it is. 
Paul says, I fought. I, I, I actually had to live this day to inherit that day. I have to walk, live, fight, run, sweat, cry, plead, negotiate this day so I can have that day. And that day is what keeps me in the race this day. That day is more important than anything else. That day is what gets me out of bed. What I do now is for that day. So my mind and my eyes are always on the long term. But meantime, there's a lot of work. And when it gets tough, and it will, you have to remind yourself of the end game. What is the bigger picture? That day. Oh, happy day. So when I walk through the pearly gates, and I go on my own, on my own, just like I came into the world, on my own, the angels are there, the great cloud of witnesses, another one's coming, another one's coming, here's the boy from Manchester. I walk through those gates, and I think, wow, this is what kept me alive down there. This is what kept me. There he is. Oh, that, I remember in Revelation. Oh, there it is. There it is. And you think, you're on your own. You're talking to yourself. And then you can imagine the great cloud of witnesses. Come on, let's go and show you the pearly gates. Let's go and show you the great river. Let's go and show you everything you read about. Come on, let's go and have a look at it. And it's all there. Just like he said. I want to go to the throne. I want to go and see his face. Now you're in there, you can go and look at him and go, wow! I want to go and see how that, how does that river, what runs through the temple, how is there a tree on the other side, both sides? I want to see it. I want to see the colours. I want to see jasper, onyx, sapphire. I want to see those walls that are so thick. I want to see it all and you can see the great cloud of witnesses. Come on, let's go and do the tour. That's the day. Oof. But don't get excited about a day. Get excited about the work you've got to do in this day. Amen? Oh, shh. God's putting a day in our hearts. Look at your, look at your faces. Just look at your faces. <laughs> so there's a day when he's talking about past. There's a day when he's talking about the prophetic future. There's a day called today where you have to make your life and I have to make my life count for something. There's a day called today, literally today, because tomorrow you have no guarantee of. And if it all finished today, 24 hour today, what have you got to take into the future called today? Yes? What are you going to lay before his feet? Try that one. Go on, try that one. I went to church on Sunday. Look at his face when you tell him. Look at his face. I want to get this. God wants authentic church, not church attendance. There is a day for you and I to work and take action in. That's called today. It's a very, very important day because God gives you a time span in which to fulfill the work for your life. Yeah, every project takes a certain amount of time, doesn't it? God's given you a work and he's given you a time frame in which for you to uh, learn, 
practice, perfect, and complete. Learn, practice, perfect, and complete. A day to learn, a day to practice, a day to perfect, and a day to complete. That's life. That's your life. When I'm younger, I learn. And with what I learn in the early days, I practice. And through what I practice and how I practice, I then perfect. And what I, through what I perfect, I then complete. And through what I complete, I lay at his feet. That's your life. You never stop learning. You never stop exploring. You never stop perfecting. But you do have a day called complete. True? How many of you believe there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven? A time for everything. So you've got to know what the time is. Got to know what needs doing in that time. You've got to know the season for your activity. Under heaven. Why under heaven? Because heaven's watching. Heaven's watching. When Jesus returns... This speaks to us, whenever we hear the word, when Jesus returns, this speaks to us of a time and a day. Doesn't it? Whenever you read in scripture, when we read what we just read in Revelation, he's talking to us of a time and a season and a certain action that must take place in you on that day of his return. One of those actions is you must be ready. You must be ready. Live like he's coming back tonight, but plan like he's not coming back for another thousand years. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins teaches us so very clearly the principle of being ready. This is a very, very powerful, important principle. Now, from time to time in your life and my life, we move to wise and the foolish. Today, you might be a wise virgin, metaphorically speaking. Tomorrow you can be a fool. A tragedy, a circumstance can come across your life and you put down your cross, you, put, you pick up your own nets again and you start doing your own things. And you live for yourself and you're not living ready. And if it comes tonight, you'll go, yeah, yeah. But are you ready? Are you ready to meet him face to face? This is a very, very serious question. Some days I think I am. But if I'm being honest with myself, there's many days... I'm not quite sure. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I am being saved. And I know I will be saved. Why can I say that? Because I'm working out my salvation. At any one time I can switch this thing off and go a different direction. You know that and you, you know that and I know that. So I want to be ready on that day. If I go to sleep tonight, lay my, hand on my, lay my head on that pillow and I kiss this world goodbye and I enter into the next world, I need to know that I entered and the rucksack is not on my back of my troubles. That's not what I want to put before his feet. Because you know when you're in heaven, you've got no time to repent. It's too late. You do repentance this side. Well, when I get up there, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's, who told you that? You're not going to give me a piece. Well, when I, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to justify my, I'm going to plead my case. No, you're not. Shut up. No, you're not. You've already been scanned. You've already been weighed in the balance. 
and everything that's been done is gone. You've got no other opportunity because your life is what counts. It's very, very sobering. Very, very sobering. This is why Philippians tells us, work out your salvation. Where? Here. Amen. What did you do? Well, here's another question. What are you going to do? Because what you're going to do will determine what you did. When Jesus looks upon the earth and into your heart and into the hearts of others, he's looking for a season in you. When God looks upon Carol and me, God's looking for a season in us. Because when I find a season, I find, listen, I guarantee if I looked at anyone and I was Jesus, I look at you, in a season, I'll find a certain kind of behavior which stems from a certain kind of thinking pattern. So if I'm in a season of just tranquility, what's my behavior? No stress. Chilling out. If I'm, in a, if I'm in an intense season, what's my activity? It's heightened. So God's looking for a season in your life. This is why you need to know your season and work in it because in that season is what God expects and God will look at you in your season and in your time. And in that time, everything that God says will be to fit and form and fashion Christ into your season. God brings us seasons because it's the greatest time for God to do his work on us. It's true. Through your activity, seasons come. And because of the season, it's God's greatest opportunity to do a work and continue a work that he started. That's why you must have a time and a season. How many of you know God doesn't work when you're switching off and you're just lazy? But when, have you noticed all the trouble comes when you try and do something? That's when faith is developed. I'm sat in the park the other day with the grandkids. And the kids are off to the right playing. Carol and I are just having a chat. And I said to her, I said, do you remember those days when we skipped through the meadows? No, not smoking. Do you remember those days when we skipped from the meadows? Do you remember those days when a prophetic word would come and it got me so excited? When I used to live and, and, and get really excited around God's plan for my life. And I looked at her. She'll tell you. Get a bit emotional when I say this. I want it back. I do. I want it back. Because those things came into my heart, it reminded me of a day. It was the day. Because when that word came to my heart and it did something in my heart, it, it made it gave me hope for the future, it gave me anticipation, it gave me excitement, it gave me expectancy, it gave me energy and and confidence, even though Despite what I was facing, it took me beyond. And, and I remember the pursuit in my heart for God was so intense that I wanted to skip or do anything to get to that day where that, that, what that word said. It gave me so much energy and excitement. And I realized that as I'm getting older sometimes and you get involved in doing things, 
Those things don't seem to excite you the way they once did, unless you're in trouble. I don't want, the God, I don't want God just to excite me when I'm in trouble. And, I, and this is what really just began to, God began to marinate that word in, in my heart. I said, I want that back again. And I think, I think that when I had that conversation with Carolyn, I said, I want it back again. The next night we are building in the spirit. And the next night we came in to pray for the nation. We were ready to go with guns and all. We're going to give it you. And I read Song of Solomon, gone. And I believe that God blew on me that night because of that conversation I had in that park. Because God saw the sincerity of what I was saying and what I wanted. and want to get back to that place, Lord. Of youthfulness. Stupidity. Believing all things are possible. It's not stupidity though, is it? But when I, when I say stupidity, when you're young, you think you can do anything. That's stupidity. I'm not saying in God. Now I know I can't go bungee jumping. Because my body might not handle it like I would do in my 30s. Yeah? Now I want to go and get a motorbike. And I just want to ride it crazy through the woods on a scrambler. That's one day and God's going to grant me the opportunity to get on a bike. I keep saying if I want to get back on a motorbike. And I just want to go crazy in the woods, scramble, kick dirt up, fall off the thing. Get back on it again. But you know what? My body just might not take it. And I just might not go as fast as I want to go. Because a little bit of fear and intrepidation. If you fall off, she's going to kill you. But I want to do it. There's something calling me back. It's saying, Tony, there's more to go. I'm putting a day in your heart again. I want a day. True? A day's not 24 hours. I want a season of a, called a day. And you know, the, the older you get, the more sedate you become. Dumb. The younguns don't want... What we, what many of us will settle for. And we can't give them all that they're asking. Because half of it, what they're asking for is not good for them. But some of it is. But the best way you can keep young people around you is by being young yourself. Stay young. You're getting old, we all notice that. There's air coming out your nose now. We know that. It's okay. And it is. And it's okay when you get to my age, you still got hair, you don't care what colour it is, because you can always dye it. Now, if you haven't got it, just believe in the resurrection and the life and pray for it. It's true. It's not just the young ones who want fun. It's not just the young ones who want adventure. It's not just the young ones who want hope. Every one of us. And it's all here. It's all here. It's all there. It's all in there. Today, I fought the good fight. When was the last time you had a good fight? 
I don't mean physical now. I don't mean with your wife, your husband, your friends. When was the last time you came through a good fight? You think, why is it good? Because the Bible calls it good. Why is it good? Because it's good for you. That's why it's called good, because it's good for you. Why? Because in that season's a time when God builds faith and does his work inside of you. But we just want, oh, happy day. Between oh, happy day, there's a good fight. Come on. Between oh, happy day, there's a good fight. Between oh, happy day and a good fight, you've got to run. Some days, you just got to gird up your loins and run through some stuff. Yeah? The best thing to do through fear sometimes is just run. Don't mean run from it, run to it. You got, you got, again, let's go back to the, bu- the bungee jump. You're stood there, you've got it all there, you're ready to go. How many of you don't see many guys saying, oh no, I'm going to take it off again. When you come that far, all it takes is just one little push. You've got no option then. You're in free fall. And you just trust that that thing is going to boing catapult you back up to where you belong yeah sometimes I tell you that's what God wants you and I to have not a bungee jump but I mean free fall free falling God how many of you believe that do you know if you're blind and I ask you to step off this step the fact that you can't feel the floor you don't know it's only that big deal you don't know that but and if I ask you to step off there if you're blind, there's no difference, is there? Because you're blind, you don't know. If I ask you to swim in three foot of water and you can't swim, you panic because it's three foot of water. But if you can swim and I ask you to sweep in, swim in the deepest ocean, does it make a blind better difference? No, because you can swim. What's your point? I've got one. Stepping off there is the same as stepping off there. It's only until your eyes are opened. You see the difference. But in blind faith, blind faith, it doesn't matter how deep it is, it's the action that counts. Don't start putting not logic behind it and depth and width and all that stuff. Faith. Have you got the faith to let go of your own nets and put them down? One of the fundamental things of Christianity, of getting involved in this race, is you putting your nets down. What does that mean? It means put your will down your interest down, your life down, and follow him. Putting your nets down is the key thing. He's asking a fisherman to put his net down, and he's going to tell a fisherman he's going to be a fisher of men. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a fisherman. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Sounds the same, but it's not the same. But you've got to let go of one thing, Peter, to become something else. That's the, that's the key to Christianity, is you letting go, let, putting down what you are skilled, what you know, what you're good at. I'm not saying stop working, I'm talking about in your natural self. Stop trusting your own ways, your own intellect, your own thoughts, your, your, your own opinions. Put them down and start walking by faith, trusting what God says. It's a much more exciting life. really is. Paul had developed his life to the point where he could make a bold decision. I've run the race. I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Wow. Wow. Where are you at in your race? What fight are you going through? Because if you're going through a fight, keep fighting it. 
Because Paul tells us he fought it. It's a past tense. The fight's behind me now. The struggle's over. But I had to go through it. None of us want to fight through some stuff, but it's the only way we're going to live and survive sometimes. Because what you don't fight will fight you. And the, and the issue then is ownership. What, what, what you refuse to fight will fight you and own you and dictate to you. So it's very, very powerful that you, you get a good attitude in the midst of your fight because it's not... In, in a fight, we always think this is an awful fight. It's a devil fight. It's an evil fight. And, and all that could be true. But it's still a good fight. Why? Because he's doing something in me. I'm so glad that for some of the battles that Carol and I have had to face, Phil and I have had to face. I'm so glad to the, to the, the battles now that our eldership together is, fa- is facing now. The, f- the, the fight of getting this discipleship school up and running, getting people to come to it. That's just small. That's stepping off the bottom step. What about when he tells us to start doing some bungee jumping faith? Giving millions away. Millions, 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 yeah, millions away. Why can't we give millions away? That's bungee jumping faith. Until you've jumped it, you think that's... Once you've done one bungee jump, it doesn't matter how high they're doing it. True? Paul says, I'm closing now. What a powerful statement Paul makes. To say that you fought the fight, the good fight, you finished the race and have kept the faith is a remarkable statement to make. What a beautiful thing if you're going to get buried to put on your gravestone. Some people, Christians will say, I attended the race. I watched the good fight. That's not what should be on your gravestone. I fought a good fight. I ran the race. I knew where I was going. I knew what I was doing. I knew my time, I knew my season, I knew my crowd. This is what I'm doing. My life stood for something. I just wasn't just a Christian. Christians must stand for something, somewhere, with someone, doing something. That's your faith. He said, I fought the good fight. He knew the difference between a battle of the Lord from the battle over fleshly issues of life. And you know, folks, we have to fight the pair of them. We have to fight the two of them because there's a battle of the Lord, which is a good fight, and there's a battle of your flesh. And the two are intrinsically linked because as you're doing the work of the Lord, you also have to fight yourself. True? It's true. And then one of the first things you have to do is look after your own body. Look after your... It's amazing how many Christians can't travel because the, the, wherever they go, they can't eat the food, they can't eat the diet. The plane seat's too small for them. Yeah, there's too many physical limitations, but you feel you've got a call to the nations. So now what we have to do, many preachers now, the reason why they have to go in these top, top standard uh, hotels and, and first class flight is because their physical bodies can't handle what everyone else is doing. And then they convince themselves they deserve it. Finished. To say I've finished the race is to know your purpose for life. To know the work that you should be involved in. The work that was required of you. To know the time and the season of your life. And here's the key thing. To know you've finished the race. Here's a key thing I want you to think about. It's to know that it's the right time to die. It's the right time to die. It's not just, I died. There's a right time to die. 
If there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. There's a right time to be born and there's a right time to die. There's a right way of dying. There's a right time to die and there's a right way of dying. Amen? I want to die strong. I might be failing in my body. It might be my body's getting weak, but I want to, fight. I want to die strong. I want to be able to look at my sons in the eye and my daughter and my wife if she's still with me. I want to be able to look them in the eye and say, live strong. Die strong. Let it be said, it's a good day to die. It's a good day to die. Why? Because you know it's completed. So many people go home because they're tired. I understand that. I understand that. I really do. But go strong. In spirit, I mean. Your body may be weak, but your spirit can be strong. Get ready to meet him. But live like you're going to meet him every day. Because you can meet him every day. I've kept the faith to have spoken, shared, demonstrated your belief, faith and values with others. That's what it means to have kept the faith. Amen? I stand to our feet. Never even got to talk to you about faith. I got so caught up with the day that I never talked to you about faith. I want to put a day in your heart this morning. There's a happy day. There's a day called fulfilled. But what about today? What was your title last week? How to what? How to die. How to die young at a very old age. How to die young at a very old age. That sums it up. That sums it up. How to die old at a very young age. Old age, the other way it is. Yeah. How to die. How to die. Die well. But don't die hard. Father, make us aware of that day, Lord. Put anticipation back into the hearts of your body. Put excitement back into the hearts of your people. Put adventure back. Put hope back. Put work, a work ethic, a determination, values. Oh God, put it back into our hearts. Put it back into the people of the Dream Center. Father, you're assembling a body. And it's not church as usual. It's the church called unusual. Unusual because of these dimensions that are in there. They live for a day. We're not living for the day where we do nothing. We want to contribute and do what's required. So that when we inherit our day, we look back and we say everything was worth it. Every trial, every torment, every tragedy. Lord, to get here and look at you in the eyes to put that crown at your feet, oh happy day. Lord, we need a revelation 
And I'm asking you, Sovereign Lord, to give us a revelation of this, Lord, because I don't believe our hearts have grasped it. But Lord, we need you to come on the inside of our hearts and and show us sovereignly what that day looks like for each individual's life. Lord, I ask you, oh God, to put it in the senior members, put it in the hearts of the young people, put it in the hearts of the children. Put it in the hearts of the babies. Because Lord, you tell us that you've set eternity in our hearts. Eternity is a seed. That when it's watered, it begins to take shape. Birth it in us, Lord God, we ask you. We want a day called today. Just raise your hands before the Lord. For such a time as this, the attitude should be the same as Ruth. If I perish, I perish. Esther, sorry. If I perish, I perish. Run the race, but if you perish, you perish. You won't perish. You won't perish. Do it for somebody else. Run your race for somebody else other than yourself. Run for something. Run with someone. Run with something in your hand. Oh, Father. Sow it into our hearts this week, Lord. When we lay our hands... When we, when we raise our hands to you this week, when we, when we lay our head on the pillow, Holy Ghost, speak to us. Sovereign God, speak to us. Awaken the saints. Awaken the saints. Awaken the saints to this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.